0: I'm Romi Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I'm joined by Emily Riley, who's the Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Global Foundries. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you, Romi. Happy to be here. Emily, you have achieved so much in your career. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you start and how did you eventually achieve this role?
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, I can give you a little background. I grew up in a pretty small town in upstate New York and my mom and dad were math and science teachers in high school. So I grew up in a home where you you did your homework and uh, studied hard and I enjoyed math and science, you know, quite a bit. And was fortunate to go to Cornell University And have an industrial engineering and operations research degree. So I really started off in college with a technical background. It was very challenging and um, a big achievement for me to, you know, to go through that program and then, you know, move into engineering as as I came out of college. And I stayed in the engineering field for, I think, about, you know, 10 years, you know, post-college, did some different roles, always within manufacturing And I was working at GE when I would have an unexpected career pivot, and I think this happens to a lot of people in their lives and their careers, where I was asked if I would be interested in moving into a union relations role in human resources out of an engineering role. So I had uh, charted a, a path mentally and was beginning to talk to people about different manufacturing manager jobs I was looking for my first you know manager role and uh, really I call it my career curveball where I was asked if I wanted to move into HR and it was I
0: think you were tapped for that opportunity what was it about what you were doing that made someone approach you
1: Yeah. So I think I had at that point, again, in manufacturing, you know, you spend a lot of time working with people, you know, on the plant floor and, you know, influencing to get people to be involved in your projects or for change. I also worked in environmental health and safety, you know, in my engineering roles as well, where I had a lot of interaction with people. And I think this was visible to managers that I was able to you know, work closely with others and build relationships. And, you know, that was noticed, but it just wasn't, it wasn't obvious to me that that would have, you know, opened a career door for me. And it did unexpectedly.
0: I think that also points to kind of the importance for all of us to remember of interpersonal relationships and skills no matter what we do because if you said I'm an engineer on the factory floor how important are interpersonal skills I wouldn't have said like oh they're the most important thing but whatever it is you're doing they are right
1: Yeah absolutely and I think because I I've, I've worked in an engineering environment you know most of my career you know what I would share with people often is that if you've been through college or you've, you've done an engineering role, you're really, you know, very solid there. And I think that that is something that you bring to the table. But sometimes what people don't realize, because they're very focused on the technical side, is that you can win or lose or succeed or fail, sometimes not because of your technical knowledge and capability, but because of you know, the relationships and, or, you know, your ability to influence and get something to happen with your knowledge. And I think that, you know, that's a lot of what people realize as they grow in their careers is, you know, gee, I know how to do this or I've got the right solution, but, you know, how do I get through to people to influence the success of this or, you know, to further my career? So I think it's a really important learning as people, you know, grow in technical roles or just relying on not just their expertise, but the relationship side.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good lesson for us all to take. All right, so you got thrown this curveball, and now you made a big pivot. I got thrown the curveball, I made the pivot. I kind of said
1: to myself, you know what, this is just crazy enough that I probably need to try it. And I think it was the time in my career where I had to trust the judgment of what others saw in me and take a shot at it. And then I've been in HR, you know, ever since I did a variety of different roles within GE and HR that were just incredible learning experiences. Our company was spun off to a private equity firm and we had to build a lot of new capability on our own. So, you know, that was another thing where, you know, kind of thrown into some unknown waters and figure out, you know, how to swim, But it absolutely, you know, prepared me for other things that I was going to do in my career. And 12 years ago, I joined Global Foundries and we were building a a greenfield startup factory in New York, upstate New York. And again, that was something new where we were in rented office space and I was one of the first couple of employees hired and we built that site up to, to 3,000 people as part of, you know, a larger company. Then, uh, you know, I was in that role for quite a bit, building the team. And then three years ago, I was asked to take the, the HR leadership role for the company, which has been just an amazing, you know, journey and opportunity, you know, along the way. So it's been challenging, but, you know, really, really, uh, really amazing. And, you know, lots of things happened in between, you know, challenges and delights, as you can imagine.
0: Oh, I bet. You know, listening to your story, one thing that I'm interested to know more about you've worked for one of the most established US corporations, and then you've worked in a completely brand new startup environment. Can you share with our audience a little bit of what you view as the pros and cons of both? Yeah, and that's
1: I'm glad you asked me that question because I do get asked that, you know, from time to time. And I think that. You know, really growing up and having the the foundation of my career at GE was was very valuable. The leadership culture there, it was just incredible. And, you know, how you learn and and grow, it's in a very supportive environment with great leadership. And you also learn how to be a a hands-on leader. You know, when I was at GE, it was very much about, you know, learn to do the work and you have that competency so that you can help, you know, other people do it as well. So that, that depth of knowledge is important in terms of how you grow there. And then I think coming into a new company, I mean, we were literally starting up Global Foundries. It was a brand new company in 2009 to bring that foundation with me was very, very important. But at the same time, I had to make a big shift because you can't just bring, what you've done at a big company into a new company when, you know, it's more entrepreneurial in global foundries, the environment of people wanting to participate in the creation of what you're doing versus it being already established more. So at GE was something that I had to get used to. And I would say that we were creating so many more new things from, from the beginning. And I think that was different. And the industry, I very much underestimated how different the industries, you know, would be in coming into semiconductor. I had a really big learning curve on semiconductor, and you always feel the pace of the customer and what their needs are and how that kind of connects back into the business in a really strong and fast way. So I had a couple setbacks in the beginning of just understanding the industry and how I would adapt to the the culture within this industry. So there was a lot of relearning coming into a new company.
0: I think that's great. So if you were to talk to someone who was looking to make a switch or switching industries, what's your advice on how best to adapt so you don't hit that pitfall?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, try to try to go in with a a really open mind and know that you're going to have to be flexible and agile and know that it takes time, you know, when you have been part of another culture to shift yourself personally but to be aware and be ready for that and be ready to learn. And I think the, you know, the mistake that I made was I came into Global Foundries with my tool set of what I thought was the, the right way to go. And it wasn't necessarily all the right tools. I needed to change some things out and I needed to be more agile and you know, listen more. So I think it was a big learning. And I think that, you know, oftentimes when people come out of a, a larger, more structured company into something new that can be a really big pivot. And you have to anticipate that. You can't anticipate exactly what it's going to be, but you have to know that you're going to have to absorb some change and relearn or create differently.
0: Yes, for sure. I also want to ask you a little bit more about gender. And the question I'm asked all the time is, what do we need to do to get more women into STEM? And I think you've sort of lived this firsthand. You you grew up in a STEM household, you attended STEM programs. Based on your journey, how would you answer that question?
1: You know, I think for me, it really comes a lot back into confidence. And I was given, you know, so much confidence from my parents and from my mom that when I ran into people telling me that I couldn't do things. It kind of worked in an opposite way for me where I would get energized around some things. So I think, you know, it wasn't easy getting through engineering school, but, you know, I was raised that you complete things, that you work hard, that you get help, that you power through something. And, you know, STEM's not an easy field. And I think a lot of times keeping that commitment to it when there might be, you know, other forces either pulling you out or pushing you out. To me, it's helping girls and helping women have the confidence to do something that is difficult, that is going to be an environment where they're going to face challenges, but to say, you know, I love doing this, it's important to me, and, you know, I have the confidence to know that I can do well at it, even when things aren't going right, you know, I think that's a really big piece around this. Giving opportunities for people many different stages, beginning very early, is extremely important. And, you know, understanding that we have to keep all those doors open for girls when they're learning in you know, elementary and and middle school, because you do lose people right pretty much at that point. If they're not interested in math and science and, you know, in, in high school, they've lost the interest at that point, then it's difficult to pull back in elsewhere. So I would say that that early connection and also people helping women with their confidence on this journey is key.
0: Certainly. And so Global Foundries, you're responsible for all the people, right? The entire workforce. And you as a company have made a huge commitment to diversity. So what are the biggest levers you think in today's workplace, workplace I guess is in quotes still because <laughs> we're working remotely. What are the biggest levers that are going to help foster and advance diversity, both gender diversity and racial diversity?
1: Yeah. So big question. And, you know, maybe maybe I'll talk a little bit about what we're doing now, because I think that it really, really evolves. And 2020 has just been an incredible year for us to all look at across companies, I would say. And I've had a lot of dialogue with other HR and business leaders in high tech and everyone's, you know, rethinking this, you know, right now. You know, in the first place, it's creating a culture where people feel like they can be their authentic selves, you know, coming into work and putting programs in place and helping managers to be able to lead people in this regard. doesn't just happen. And when you get great people in the company and you're able to hire diversity into your company you know, that's wonderful, but you've got to be able to nurture an environment where people love being there and they feel like they're bringing their best selves and they can be open, et cetera. We're doing a ton of work right now with our leadership and our managers around, you know, how to make them better leaders in terms of an inclusive environment. So we're investing um, a lot there. I think that also this concept of, work and home and life personal being very blended is something that we're all we're living that right now. And I think that anything that companies can do to help people be successful in that regard is super important. And if you can't do that as a company right now, people are going to go elsewhere. So we have to be able to think about the whole person and also, you know, understand that that whole person's life is going to change on their path. You know what they may need when they join your company as a new college grad, Coming in, uh, it's going to be different than it might be 10 years after that. So, you know, understanding that you're you're helping a lot of different life situations, you know, is also very key. So, you know, those are a couple of the big things where we're focused right now. And there's just a lot that's caused us to rethink this year also.
0: For sure. And when we talked before we recorded, we talked a little about your your personal experience as a mother in the workplace and sort of advancing the workplace. Can you share some of your experience about how you manage that juggle, some advice for our audience about how they can do so?
1: Yeah. And boy, it's just a journey, I guess is all I can say. And my son is grown. So I'm now somebody who's, you know, looking back, he's 24 years old, and I'm looking back. And I'm also looking on the screen, people on my team, the two year olds and five year olds running around. And uh, I'll be honest, I long for that, because it goes really, really quickly. But what I would say is keep that in mind. It goes quickly. It is going to go away. It is going to change at some point as, as your family evolves. And you know, when I look back, I think I, I would have created more time for, for myself and my family. The lesson that I've learned is I won't get that time back. And there's still plenty of work out there, but the clock ticks more from the perspective of you know, that family time. So just you know realize that. The other thing we talked a little bit about, you know, in our preparation for today is that, you know, I would encourage people to think about their work and life and how they connect those two as changing all the time. Because, again, don't need the same thing, you know, earlier in your career as you might need when you're raising a family or taking care of, you know, parents who may have moved in with you. And to try to come to an inner peace with the fact that you can change this along the way, you can make choices along the way to do things differently. And it's not like you're going to solve it and it's going to work forever. You'll have a new challenge or a new opportunity or a new opening, and and you can create a different kind of life for yourself, depending on where you are.
0: It's great advice. And I think so important to remember because the challenges of this moment can feel so permanent or insurmountable. And then... A year later, they're completely different, (laughs) but maybe feel the same way. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, now, you know, you might not be running to a soccer game or, you know, to daycare or to school or, you know, to the, to the school play, you know, you're figuring out how to get the kids outside. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm home by myself all day. And I I will tell you, I'd love to babysit for people. You know, that's what I long for is, is that kind of, you know, connection and others need space because they have so much on their plate and the kids are, you know, running around uh, while they're trying to work. So everybody's got something different.
0: Yeah. On the babysitting thing, can I get your number after this?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I'll take them for the weekend. Excellent.
0: All right. I'm going to move to the, the fun questions here. So Emily, what is your karaoke song?
1: My karaoke song is Shake Your Groove Thing by Peaches and Herb.
0: What a good song. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's, it's more
1: for dancing, I think, than than karaoke, to be honest with you. But I always say that song is guaranteed to get any party started.
0: Yeah, for sure. How do you practice self-care?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, And need to do more of it, for sure. But I have been a runner my whole life since middle school. And I run a couple of marathons and a lot of half marathons. So that really brings me peace. And any day that I start off or end with a run, it always makes even the worst day better. So that's great for me. I love organizing things too. I love fixing up my house and gardening and, you know, just kind of taking care of my space and that calms me. And oddly, this is a really weird one. I love doing laundry. I find it very relaxing. Meditate yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a weird one, but I love it. And I also love being on the water. I grew up on the lake and there is nothing better than being out on the water and enjoying it out there. And I think that really brings me back and refreshes me.
0: That's so nice. That's great. Who is a celebrity that you would like to have dinner with? I would have to say Quincy Jones. Ooh, that's a great one. Is there a yep. specific reason you choose him?
1: I just, I love everything that I'm a huge jazz person. Mm-hmm. You know, he has an incredible life story that started with him as a jazz performer, and then he moved into conducting and arranging and producing and brought, you know, so much talent into the world. And, you know, it's really, it's that connection with music, but, you know, he just did so much for the world, even outside of music. And I've always loved everything that he's done and just had a really interesting,
0: interesting life. So would love to have dinner with him. That sounds great. How about a book? Would you recommend a book to our audience, please? Oh,
1: I'm a, a huge Maya Angelou fan, and you know, much of the poetry that she's done has been very meaningful. I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings course is wonderful as well, but I would probably say that I would recommend her, you know, in terms of some of the really deeper experiences that I've had in reading. And then um, I do read a ton of leadership books, but those are kind of like more in the moment. And then I'll read the next one. You see him in the airport and pull him off the shelf, but I would probably recommend Maya Angelou.
0: Right. This is a good week to recommend. Absolutely. Because it's the week of the inauguration. All right, Emily, so at Ferry Gabas, we have a tradition. What we observe is that women are not comfortable enough talking about our achievements. You talked a little bit earlier about confidence and the challenges of women have with confidence. So I'm going to ask you to brag. Please brag for us about you and your accomplishments. Sure.
1: You know, I think that, all right, I'm having a little trouble
0: with it now. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. But we want you to do it so others feel empowered to do it too.
1: Yeah. So I had a couple different points in my career. One, I think I mentioned earlier, our business was spun off. You know, GE is a huge company and we were spun off to private equity. And I led the HR work. I don't know if you'd call it an integration because we were being divested, but I led the HR work for us to become a standalone business. And it was nothing I'd ever done before. And we had to really be able to operate our new business independently. And I was very proud of making that happen. The reason that I bring it up is because I don't think I would have been in a good position to have joined Global Foundries where they're in a real startup environment had I not been through that before. So it really, it was an unexpected thing that helped me prepare to do something again where I had to create. And one of the elements that I didn't know that I would have coming into my work at Global Foundries 12 years ago, you know, I was going to be the HR leader for for a site that we were going to build. And I thought I knew what that was. As I said, I made some mistakes along the way. But one, one thing that has been a really delightful experience that I've grown into is public speaking. And it happened joining Global Foundries because we were building a large business, a large factory in a very small area. And, you know, a lot of exposure in the community, a lot of exposure with the government. And I had many, many opportunities and had no idea that this was going to be coming um, into my life to, to speak publicly. And it's a skill that I've been able to build up and become more comfortable with and really enjoy being able to connect our business to um, help other people understand it because they've always been really supportive and wanting to learn about it. And I would say one of the neat moments that I had was a few years ago, I did a keynote speech at the award ceremony for the society of women engineers annual conference And it was at the beginning of the dinner event. And I think there was like 2,500 people in the audience. Like you couldn't even see everybody. It was a sea of people. And to be there talking to women engineers across many companies and many universities and to feel confident and have fun with it was really special. So it was a skill that I have picked up. I enjoy it. And it brings me a lot of energy when I connect with people. So engineer, you know, turned into HR and somebody that enjoys public speaking has been a really neat part of my journey.
0: I love it. I love it. So I've learned so much from talking to you today. You know, I think it's such an important reminder that every job is a people job, even if you don't think it is, how important it is to be adaptable. And I think it's also interesting that You may not seek change, but change is coming for you anyway, because you could be working in a company that gets divested, right? And you're in a totally different situation. And lastly, kind of be open to taking risks, be open to honing new skills that you never thought were you may have had. So that's my takeaways. If there's one thought you would like to leave, one piece of advice that you'd want to leave with our audience to help them advance their careers, what would it be?
1: It may be a bit of two things. It's being flexible and adaptable, but the main thing would be knowing how to maintain and or build your confidence. And when you lose it, you know, you may have to bring it back at times. And I think that so much can be done when you have the confidence. Be prepared that it may be pulled away from you from time to time. And you may have to figure out, you know, how to get it back and you'll come back even stronger. But I believe that you can do so many things that you never dreamed of doing and don't know how to do with the right confidence.
0: Love it. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us here today.
1: Thank you, Romy. I
0: appreciate being invited. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.